0: Hello and welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health, the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we slice away health truth from health fiction. Join me and my friends as we challenge common health myths via chit-chat, powered by several cups of coffee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media, and do visit us at asliceofhealth.club. Let's get to today's episode. On today's episode, I'm joined by Stephanie and Ebony, who are both qualified trichologists and members of the International Association of Trichologists. Trichology is a science and study of hair. Clinical trichology is the diagnosis and treatment of diseases and disorders of the hair and scalp. Currently on the NHS, you cannot be referred directly to a trichologist. However, you can be referred to a dermatologist, which is a doctor that specialises in skin care conditions. This episode is slightly different from our usual medical and clinical guideline episodes. However, it does relate to health and well-being, and was certainly challenging and enlightening for me and definitely chit chat at its best. Ebony is a qualified trichologist and member of the International Association of Trichology. Her passion is in natural hair and her aim is to help clients by providing a particular focus on promoting health and solving hair loss issues. She has also been a hairstylist from a young age and made a decision to pursue this role full time. She has featured on the BBC. Ebony has also worked with London Fashion Week, London Collection Men, and at events in both Dubai and Nigeria. She hosts the informative and straight to the point hair health podcast, Snatched Edges. Stephanie is a consultant trichologist with first-hand experience of hair loss and after suffering with hair and scalp issues for a few years, Stephanie then decided to undertake her training in order to find out more about the root cause of her issues and to help those who have also suffered from hair loss. She is a graduate and member of the Institutes of Trichology and undertook training in scalp micropigmentation with finishing touches. Stephanie has had several years of experience including working as a dermatology assistant in a skin and hair clinic and she sees patients of all ethnicities and hair types. However, she does have a special interest in Afro and mixed texture hair. She is also a brand spokesperson for Nizrol Medicated Shampoo. Together, Ebony and Stephanie form the Kinky Hair Collective, which creates a safe environment for black women to talk about their hair and their hair concerns. Ebony and Stephanie in today's episode Challenge our habits in the Afro hair community. Social media trends, with evidence from their trichology experience and their studies so far. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Could both of you just tell me how you each got into trichology?
1: Uh, Stephanie, do you want to go first? I knew that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really
0: interesting, and it's not something we talk about quite often. So I, I thought it might be interesting to know how you got into it.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I um, I lost my hair first when I was about 14. Okay. And I had problems with my hair until like quite into my 20s. Okay. And I was still struggling when I went to see a trichologist again um, to find out. I was a bit worried that my hair wasn't going to grow back. Um, so I went to see him again. I'd seen the same trichologist when I was 18, I think. And he was talking me through mm, what's going on with my hair. He was giving me a treatment. And then I started to tell him all the research I was doing around hair because at that time, the natural hair movement had like, really picked up force and people were really like, sharing information on the internet. And he then pulled out the um, Institute of Trichologists um, materials. And he said, oh, have a look at these materials. Think about studying on the course. You seem really interested in this. And for a moment, I thought, I am really interested in this. I'm absolutely obsessed with hair, probably because I was lacking hair at some point in my life. And I think it would be really good to help others because I know my mum certainly struggled to find help for me when I was 14. So it would be really nice to help others, particularly black women, because Mm. I think sometimes we get a raw deal in terms of, you know, the people understanding our hair. Mm -hmm. So I did the course. And the rest is history. Um, That's how I got into it.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And in terms of being a trichologist now, um, Mm -hmm. how would you say sort of the landscape is? Do we have quite a few, um, you know, people of colour being trichologists or is it quite a Caucasian-dominated space? Well, when I started, it was was a Caucasian-dominated space, Mm -hmm. very. I mean, I think there was like Three um, yeah. black trichologists, oh including me. Ooh. So at that time,
1: when anybody did events or anything, it would only be um, Caucasians mm. giving advice on black hair. And the person mm. that there was one, my the person that taught me at the institute, he was a specialist in black hair because he'd seen a lot of black patients. Okay. Um, his clinic had been located in Brixton and Clapham. Mm. Um, the landscape is changing now. Um, we've got more black trichologists coming onto the scene. I think once you start to see people, other people doing it, Mm -hmm. it sparks an interest in you.
0: And, like, since then, you know, Ebony has come on the scene. So I guess she can explain how she came on the scene as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how did you get into trichology, Ebony?
1: Um, So my background's a little bit of, like, a a roundabout. So I first started off as a science teacher, but... um, I actually had, like, a really big interest in hair, and it was, like, my first passion, so I um, gave up teaching several times to go back into doing hairdressing, and finally I was like, yeah, I've had enough of school, let me kind of do what I really want, and working in different salons, I saw a lot of women of all races suffering with um, hair loss, Mm. and like, at the time, it would be like, I'll mix up this hot oil treatment, or put this, like, no shampoo on it, it didn't feel like I was doing anything at all. So I kind of was like looking around for something that would like really explain why these women were suffering in this way. Mm. And I can't exactly remember how I came across psychology, but when I did, I was like, this is what I'm going to do because it's like science and hair, my two loves just put together. Yeah. And, um... I was reaching out to black trichologists and looking for them, and as Stephanie said, there was hardly any. And so I found her and definitely started stalking. I found her on
0: Instagram. <laughs> I thought she was doing like, the natural hair. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go meet her. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Then, um, yeah, that's you know, really, it was really cool. important
1: to me to kind of like find women who looked like me that yes. were doing it because I was like, obviously, like, from what I'd seen, I was like, yeah, but the information would be like, wash your hair every day or do this or do that. I'm like, it doesn't really um, merge well with Afro hair care practices. Yes. And so, yeah, I wanted to kind of like make sure that whatever I learned, I could apply it to black hair as well.
0: Yeah, that's really important. And obviously, um, representation matters. And, you know, if I'm doing something and I can see that people like me are doing it, it, it gives a kind of comfort, doesn't it? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's great. And
1: there's a lot of new uh, black trichologists that are coming up. So mm. I'm really excited for like the next two, three years while everyone's doing their training. And, you know, we kind of get to go to more events, do more research, really find out why some of the things that happen
0: to black women are and like really be at the forefront of the, the scene. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the hair journey as well for a black woman and even black men is completely different from that of any any other race, really, just because of the, the textures of our hair and the kind of manipulation that we, we engage in with our hair as well. Um, and Ebony, you, you mentioned something That I'm just going to get into now You said women doing a lot of hot oil Treatments yeah. um, <laughs> And mixing and mixing all sorts um, And oh gosh I, Just before this, I think sometime during the week I was going to send you guys a screenshot of something I saw on YouTube This lady was mixing um, You know, the Virgil hair, hair fertilizer She mixed yeah, in Sulfurate she mixed in shea butter mango butter and some tea tree oh. oil um uh, and uh, yeah so she makes it all up heated it in a microwave and it was basically this um youtube tutorial on how this was an amazing hair growth and hair conditioning treatment um and i just want you guys to touch i wish you could on... see my face right now what? I'm <laughs> you
1: know what? Here. I, I, I feel like i'm looking to the sky, like what yeah. or Mm-hmm. and I've tried everything apart from a playing sense to help it so yeah. it's just like what's the quick fix what can I do really quickly now like okay I've got all these things I'm going to buy this I want to play it and it it feels like you're doing something like oh you know the sulfate it might burn or it smells really medic- medicinal but it's like you just warmed up petroleum and put it on your scarf and said yeah it's going to do something so I feel like whenever you kind of go to these things you just have to the understanding of the processes behind it then just close the tab yeah yeah yeah. you touched on something Ebony there which I always say whenever I speak or I'm talking to people there is a strong thing amongst I can't even say just the black women community, black black community where there's a sense where the things that we use to treat ourselves for any kind of ailments must hurt in some way Mm. so if I'm using if I'm doing skincare, I must use something um, that abrades the skin I must use beads or like granules peach kernels do a scrub you know if I put some cream or lotion in my hair it must burn a bit because that means it's working my toothpaste must be the extra you know Pepperminty one. Everything must hurt, and I don't understand where we've come from a place where everything must hurt. Braids must be tight, um, because it's neat. And you know, if I have to take paracetamol and speak with my hair propped up, then that's fine. So I, I think there's there's definitely something in that because that sulfurate mixture that you described. I mean, I screamed silently when you said sulfurate. So <laughs> it's, it's very heavy in petroleum. So. Yeah, there's I think there's definitely a thing where where people have this this desire for things. If it hurts a little bit, then it's working. Mm. And I'm just thinking even with that mix, I'm like, you don't even know how those um chemicals work together. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. know if like something's counteracting the, the other properties of something else. And it's mm-hmm. just like you don't know, like how at, at home when it's like when you have cleaning products, they're like don't mix these two products together. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing when you're mixing not just that they're the same level, but yeah, you get you don't know what reaction you're going to get. If it cancels out something, if it creates a new product that's going to actually irritate or burn
0: or cause damage, mm-hmm. it's like, please, just be careful, be careful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the thing that I think, I suppose, a lot of people don't really understand as well is that trichology is actually a science, and so it's not just... um just hearsay or anything, it's actually, it's evidence-based and, you know, you've studied for it and you're showing, um, you're giving advice based on actual evidence. And Ebony, I I just want to ask you, in terms of, you know, doing the hairdressing and then going to, um, study trichology formally, how would you say that has changed your practice because obviously we have quite a lot of hairdressers who aren't have not trained in trichology so how would you say that your practice is is different and what kind of different experience would someone visiting you as a hairdresser who's also a trichologist be compared to if they visited a hairdresser who who only practiced that um i think even when i was
1: hairdressing i was very cognizant of the fact that a lot of the things we do are nonsense okay like, a lot of the things, it just didn't, it didn't sit well with me, and I think through studying trichology, it kind of brought to light that, yeah, a lot of the things are excessive, Mm -hmm. or, like, even before, like, I didn't like doing relaxers, I didn't like doing braids very tight, and so now I'm just very, like, strong in my beliefs about why I do and don't do certain things, and so, um, even, like, down to, like, the amount of products, like, I remember Stephanie came to see me to get her hair done, and she's just like, that's how much cream you're putting on my hair, and I'm like... I don't need any more <laughs> uh-uh. those things always kind of like shock people how I'm very like minimalist in my approach mm. um, now in my services I don't do like braids with extensions anymore I don't do any colour I like my um, service mode is very very slim okay. just because I'm like I just want to help you with the health of your hair mm. and rather than just styling it for the sake of it looking nice
0: Okay, and just to piggyback on that you said you don't do braids with extensions anymore why is that? just because I'm lazy, it takes too much time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is there there any other reason? um,
1: I think when people come to see me, there's also a need of them wanting to know how to look after their hair. Okay. And so if it's in extensions, they're not going to be, not to say everyone is, but you don't get to put in as much effort or really understand what your hair is doing. Yeah. So I'm like, you can do extensions. I can recommend some great stylists for you. But I want to, teach you how to look after your own hair first, mm-hmm. and so
0: once you've got that done, then I'm happy for you to go and get that done somewhere else. Okay, okay. And Stephanie, um, I'm just going to ask you a few questions about your opinions on certain things that we practice in terms of natural hair, and then we'll come to sort of dry hair, dry scalp conditions, and the oiling of it. Um, yep. Apple cider vinegar rinses.
1: So apple cider vinegar rinses, I'm not really too bothered about. Mm. Um, the pH of apple cider vinegar is quite is um, low, around four point five, mm. and as the acid mantle on the scalp. Um, sometimes, if you've got like quite an itchy scalp, it's quite soothing. Mm. But it's not. I don't believe in it so far as you're diluting it. And also, I don't believe in using it to cleanse the hair. You know, like people are getting it on cotton butter and saying i'm scrunching or whatever the term is Mm. to remove the sebum i don't believe in that but if someone tells me they do apple cider vinegar rinses in clinic i'm like yeah cool you can carry on it doesn't it's not harming you per se so
0: okay and rice water for hair growth oh my (laughs) god
1: i I can't i can't i've watched so many videos on it um and i've seen people doing it people have mentioned it in clinic and ebony and i have discussed this at length you know Mm. um Ebony even kindly pulled out the, you know, original report and everything. And I just, for me, it, uh, what, what, one thing I'll caveat in, in in this is that there may be some remedies out there that we have not yet discovered. Mm-hmm. So the experimentation by people out there is is can be done. But the problem is that there's a real obsession and then there's this um, kind of... Um, Chinese whispers and it grows into this massive ball of this makes your hair grow. Putting rice in a cupboard to ferment and then putting it on your hair is not good for your scalp or your hair Mm. because we don't know the level of fermentation we need to stop at. Mm -hmm. Fermenting a product is a very fine science. People drinking things like kombucha and all of those things, those things have been finely fermented in controlled conditions. You just stuck it anywhere and then you put it on your hair. You know, we've we, there's so many other products that have been tested. Why do we want to put this on our hair? Mm, mm, mm. Um, and why are we wasting good rice? This is what Ebony said. But <laughs> I just say every time I cook rice, I'm actually traumatized. Like I get to washing the rice, and I'm like, I'm putting it down the sink, and so, I'm in my mind, I'm like, someone put this in their hair, someone put this in their hair, someone put this in their hair. And honestly, I can't even rice the same. Like it really stresses me out. Sorry, I just had to add that because yeah, it's just. It's really ruins a lot for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like someone's taking this dirty water <laughs> just it in and it's <laughs> putting it on their and it's applied to their scalp. But I'm like, also rinse off products. I'm like, if, how much, how much effect is a rinse off product gonna have? Mm.
0: I'm like, Mm-hmm. okay um deep conditioning overnight
1: i i another thing i don't really understand i find that leaves the scalp soggy mm. but the jury is out i mean on this one i'll defer to ebony what do you think i mean i tell people not to do it follow the instructions maybe an hour maximum two but overnight i'm not keen on yeah i i, I don't it's not per se that i feel like it's um I feel like it just leaves you open to more damage if your hair is wet for mm. a extended periods of time, and if you're sleeping, you know, you move around. I'm just like you're just you're making it more prone to wear and tear. Mm. If you happen to like be deep conditioning and you fall asleep, whatever. Okay, you when well, no one's gonna die, your hair's not gonna drop out. But if it's like your regular thing, also those products are formulated to be absorbed quickly. So after mm-hmm. maybe like you know, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, even up to an hour, you're not getting any more absorbent. Mm. It's like pouring that sugar into into hot water. After a while the sugar's not gonna dissolve anymore. Mm. So you can keep on adding but nothing's gonna happen. Yeah. So I'm like that is a science teacher explanation. That is it. yeah, it's
0: a very good analogy of some <laughs> saturation. That's
1: fantastic. Okay. My mind is like I, I just try to think of things at like the most simple level. So yeah. I'm like, okay, if someone who deep, deep conditions for thirty minutes versus someone deep conditions for an hour with heat, yes, there may be like, you know, some difference to their hair. Mm. But I'm like, at what point does it start to get ridiculous? Mm. So if you deep condition overnight, what about if I deep condition for two nights? And what if I deep condition for three?
0: Nights? And what if I never stop deep conditioning? Like, where, do, where does it end? <laughs> you know, I'm actually, I'm gonna actually raise my hands up and say that I I used to deep condition overnight for a really long time when I first so went. I. Yeah, when I first yeah, went natural about seven years ago. I'm
1: speaking from a place of I've done all the stupid things to <laughs> my hair, and one. Day why am I doing this? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what happened with me as well. And when you're studying trichology as well, then you start to get, that there is a point where you start to think, oh, hold on, I'm confused now. Mm. You as the, the clinician are confused. You're like, I, "I, but I've been doing this. Why have I been doing this? And then almost you you regress a little yeah. bit because now you need to find a new better way to tackle how you're handling and looking after your hair I've been guilty of everything, I know all the top YouTubers, I know all of the, you know when people come and sit down, I already know what's going on because I'm abreast of it. Because I think secretly I want to try it, but I also know it's nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then on that point as well, when I think about, like, my experience in the salon to compare to what I would do at home or, like, see other people doing, because I went natural at, like, the same time everybody else was going natural, so that was, like, a new experience for me, and mm-hmm. it's not really taught um, schools or anything. And I was like, I can go to the hairdressers or do my hair myself, like, at the salon. And it look amazing and be in and out in like an hour and a half. So if they didn't deep condition or like do all these other things that I'm doing to the extra, how come they can get this amazing result? And me at home, I'm spending Friday night till Sunday morning trying to recreate it and not being able to do so. So I was like, no, this can can really be cut down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good
0: point. Yeah, definitely, because obviously I think hair wash days were quite a big thing, several years ago I remember, you know, you'd say, oh no this weekend is just a wash, it's a wash weekend and you know, I'm going to be indoors for five hours, pre-pooing, then washing then doing this, then doing that and obviously all of that takes quite a lot of time um, Yeah man,
1: we all had two inches of hair we all <laughs> had no TWAs taking so five hours to wash, that's not good economics
0: <laughs> Yeah oh, um, and uh, the final thing, something that I've seen on YouTube recently that sort of um, sparked quite a lot of debate as well is putting hair grease in hair. So like the um, Blue Magics and the Dew Grows um, to hair, not to the scalp, but to hair um, to reduce single strand knots and for hair growth. What what, what would you say to that? Well,
1: for hair growth, mm. um, No. I mean, the question I always ask people is that for hair growth, what is the active ingredient Mm -hmm. that is promoting the hair growth? And is it penetrating deep into your dermis, beyond, right into the subcutaneous fat layer to get to your actual hair follicle Mm -hmm. to stimulate growth? So that's my first question. My second question is that for the single strand knots and the actual condition of the hair, um, in terms of hair grease, so hair grease is um, like... It's basically petroleum they've reverting back to. Now, petroleum is inert, so it's quite good for skin conditions, some um on your like body, etc. However, when you're on, on the hair, it's good, but what happens is that it's very occlusive. Mm. <clears throat> so what they're doing is that they're adding moisture and they're putting the hair grease on, and their hair is slip sliding by each other because it lubricates each other by each other so there's no single strand knot. Mm. However, what's also happening is that if you put petroleum on your hair, you're not allowing any moisture in.
0: Mm. Because it,
1: it blocks the moisture and you're going to need a stronger shampoo to remove it. And with these people not wanting to wash their hair and only co-washing, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I can say some <laughs> I can see some of the the benefits because they're using it for lubrication Mm. which is what oils and butters are typically used for but again it's not it's not a holy grail ingredient Mm -hmm. you know it's not something that's going to you know grow your hair and make your hair suddenly look amazing which is what people are you know trying to say and i I, i'm sorry to say this but i think part of it is gimmick as well (laughs) It's like everything's been said and done, everything's been... What, what can I say next that's yeah. going to, like, revolutionise? What's going to give me views? Yeah. If I say this, this is this is controversial because we've all been anti Greece. Yeah. So if I say this, this is, like, going to be controversial, I'll get the views. And I, I do believe that because I saw those videos. And funnily enough, this time I didn't click. Mm. I was like, no, I'm not clicking this video to watch mm. it because... Mm. I, 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 I don't know what you're going to say in the video, but I'm actually not interested today. Mm, <laughs>
0: mm, mm, definitely. Can I add on to
1: that? Yeah. Uh, okay. Firstly, can we just respect Stephanie for being a top psychologist in London? Did you see the big signs that she was giving us, yeah? <laughs> oh, oh, cutaneous, nervous level. She was like, no, you're not going to pay me today. I know my facts. <laughs> what else about, like, maybe 15, 16? I was, see, hey. Hair shops, yeah, they shouldn't sell half the products that they have because they allow consumers who have no sense to buy things that are dangerous. Mm. So I was buying bleach, I was buying colours, relaxers. I I ruined my hair. And um, I remember one of my friends telling me, you know, oh, but I do grow, it's really, really good. And I was like, okay, let me go get it. So I went and purchased a couple of them. I had, like, you know, the, the greases, the shampoos, the dishes, everything. And I used it on my hair religiously and my hair grew. Now, let me caveat that by saying I actually implemented a routine. I never had one before. I wasn't doing anything, like, properly with my hair. It was just, you know, calm, slap colour, slap relaxer, leave it until, you know, there's regrowth. But when I started using those products, it forced me to kind of be like, I'm washing my hair regularly. I'm looking after it more. I'm moisturising it. And because I was aware of breakage and damage, I stopped doing things like using heat and straighteners and gel every day like I was. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think back to like maybe like our parents' generation or even before then, they were using horrible products. But a lot of people still have really good hair. Mm. And when you think about those people, they're not the ones that just allow any and everybody in their scalp. Mm. They take very good care of their hair despite what they were using. And so even if you aren't able to access you know, the finest, top-top ingredients with the best science and the best studies and tranquillus recommended and da-da-da-da-da, mm. you can still have a really good amount of healthy growing hair even if you
0: don't have the best things to use as long as you apply the right technique mm, mm. that's great and i think that's a great segue into talking about hair care regimes because you just said that in as much as you were using things that you probably wouldn't recommend today you actually had a good hair care regime um, and that's what certain people are lacking so what kind of regime would you recommend um is this for me or for
1: Steph? So Both of you. you yeah. um, so I, I'll um, answer after, but you go first, Ebony. I think people are really focused on products, and so they'll be like, oh, this person is just brown. you like, let me go and collect all of the products. And I'm like, no, think about what your hair needs. So at the moment, my hair is coloured, and it's uh, quite, it can get quite dry, and I've got some scalp conditions as well. Mm-hmm. So I focus on that. Mine is to get rid of the flakes and to make sure that my colour is preserved and my hair is still moisturised. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for in products. I don't think, oh, this person's, you know, their new gel, let me go try it out just for the sake of it. You have to think about what your hair needs. If in six months' time my hair has a different need, I've changed up my products to fit what it needs. So I'm not bound to any shampoo, conditioner, styling product just because of who it's made by. I'm looking for, does this adjust what my hair needs at this mm-hmm. time? And mm-hmm. until it stops doing that, so, I'll continue to use it. Okay,
0: okay, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah,
1: that's when people I would are like, also- oh, Sorry, go on. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I find it hard when people are like, oh, you know, um, drop the skincare regime, drop the haircare regime. I'm like, you don't know what that person needs. And mm. so just following the same product, even if they have the same hair type or they're your hair twin, they can have really fine hair and you do too, but there's like small moisture and yours like small protein or, you know, vice versa. So it's difficult to just take mm. any generic advice. You have to make it very, very specific to um, your own hair. Yeah. Yeah, I think another key is um, consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Ebony said it earlier. Um, being consistent in what you do, and you know, not being too mad with the hairstyles you do. So, if you pick products, I'm not. I'm not a product junkie. I actually get very overwhelmed by the thought of buying lots of products. Um, so I have one set of products that I use for a while and I get to know them. And I think that's what people need to do. They need to allow themselves to get to know a product mm. and also allow themselves the time to put in a routine and keep to the routine. Because when you keep to a routine, that's when you see, um, you know, how, you know, a product is affecting your hair yeah. or whether it likes it or not. Because you can't tell. over In a one wash, you can use a product and say, oh, my hair doesn't like it. But how do you actually know that maybe the product you were using before has caused chronic dryness? You've removed that dryness now, and this product is now taking effect. You don't know until you've used it consistently for a period of time. And people just chop and change between products and say, oh, this is not working, this is not working, this is not working. And they don't have a consistent routine. Wash your hair every week. deep condition it every week. Um, put it in a, a protective style and when I say protective style it can be a bun you know just keep it consistent and when you do that you keep it consistent and simple you see the true measure of whether what you're doing is working Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: and I think a lot of people bounce around uh, I, again I've been guilty of it and sometimes I'm still bouncing around because of time maybe yeah. um, but that, I think that's, that's really important
0: That's great. Um, And coming to um, talking about hair growth, because you said you said something about do we know if it's penetrating the dermis? Can you tell us a bit about how does how does hair grow? So hair growth takes um, place in
1: the dermal papilla. Um, the the simplest way to explain it is cells are dividing and the hair is growing through that there's a blood source which sends it to the follicle and that hair is growing through the layers of the skin out of the scalp the things that usually affect hair growth are um, Ebony said this earlier, health, diet um, your hair care regimen all of these things can have an effect and what most people think is that if I apply something topically that's going to solve the problem, mm. when well, we need to look in, internally and we need to see what's going on because hair is a, a, um, I, I call it a, like a secondary sexual feature
0: okay.
1: um, because what it is is really for mate selection, you know a glorious crown, it's like a peacock. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And he's like, you know, the women are like, woo! look at his tail. I think hair's like that as well. It's like, look at her mane, look at her hair. And then, you know, you're just bopping. And everyone's like, oh my God, look at her hair. But it's not essential for survival. Okay. So the body, when under attack, is usually going to get rid of that first. It's like, what is this thing that you are carrying on your head that you spend all this time on? Your kidney needs this. Mm. when going to your kidneys so this is where there's a real disconnect between what people believe is good for their hair by topically adding and not really focused in on what's going on inside because mm. everything from hair growth happens from inside
0: mm. Mm. the hair
1: growth starts deep 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 down under your layers you know you've got the epidermis dermis some cutaneous fat layers it's happening deep down in that so if you're not taking care of yourself inside how are you getting all those products to go right down there Mm -hmm. it's um especially just topically
0: so that's really important actually and so obviously that would then suggest that um certain inadequate diets can also cause problems with hair loss as well um what kind of sort of deficiencies or vitamin problems excuse me would you say that you've seen quite recurrently especially in the black um, community that also contributes to hair loss
1: um, vitamin d and iron top okay. two okay. ebony yeah same top two definitely but um all of them can have an effect because it's like as stephanie said if your body's not in a great place yeah it's going to pull prints from somewhere yeah and so like the littlest thing can cause hair loss like you can there's um like if you have a fever you know some people like if your hormones fluctuate too much when you're on your period yeah uh, stress can affect it like when I tell you that your body doesn't really like your hair, like, people think it's a joke, it's ready to get rid of it at, at a drop of a hat. It's like, oh, you was being rude today, yeah? Cool, they're lost for you. <laughs> and sometimes these things will resolve themselves really quickly. Yeah. And, you know, it will be all right. And so at that, at that time, people would be like, oh, my hair's been shedding. Yeah. And they use all these things. but be like, yeah, this grew back my hair. It's just like, no, your hair was going to come back anyway. Mm-hmm. These things were just really nice for your scalp, you know? It was great, you self-care
0: for your scalp so mm, yeah mm. so I was going to talk about seborrheic dermatitis and dry scalp conditions um, why do you think it's so prevalent in the black community because it, it does seem to be more prevalent in the black community compared to sort of the Caucasian hair community mm,
1: this, is, this, is, this is an interesting one I actually think there are a number of factors and okay. I've been doing a lot of work on seborrheic dermatitis lately Okay. and um, one of the things, I, um, I've got a few theories. Um, some, you know, I've read in journals, yeah. and some I've applied what I've read in journals, my experience of who I've seen in clinic, and having suffered the condition myself as well, what happened. Yeah. So I think the two drivers of um, um, separate dermatitis are malastasia and yeah. fungus on Scalp, and also the presence of sebum. They work; they coexist quite well together. Melastasia loves sebum. Now, I think what's happening with the black community is one: this dry climate is not allowing our sebum to move freely through our scalp okay. and our hair. So, usually with Caucasian hair, you can brush the sebum through. You'll see it. That's when people will say, "My hair is really greasy," and you're looking, you're like, "Oh, yes, it is very greasy because yeah. <laughs> for the." The sebum to travel through the actual hair stuff. I think with afro hair, it's because it's coily, it's sticking quite close to the scalp, okay, which means it's giving more, you know, basically food Mm. to the malastasia to grow. So it's very hard to move it around. The sebum is staying very close to the scalp, yeah. And this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. I'm thinking why, because a lot of my patients we see have seborrheic dermatitis. And I came to start to think I think it's that. It's also grooming practices. Mm. So whilst a lot of we, we have good um, a lot of us do have very good grooming practices, a lot of us are also not washing our hair frequently enough. Mm. And I know it's difficult and this is not a judgment, but the more that we, you know, try and get the hair washed, like sticking to at least a minimum of once a week we can get rid of that sebum buildup quite easily on the scalp. Mm. So I think there are, those are the two main things that are, you know, causing the issue. Mm. Um, Ebony, do you have anything that you're thinking? A lot of the people that I see, even if their scalp is really, really bad, they find that once they remove certain, like, greasier products from their regime yeah. and um, increase washing uh, frequency, they're able to kind of, like, really manage it and keep it under wraps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. I mean, because I, I also read a report um, about stress and how stress increases the production of sebum, yeah. um, making you oilier. So, you know, it's, um, it's, I think these are all factors.
0: Definitely. And what about, so obviously with, with flaky scalp, there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of myths and there's a lot of strange practices that we engage in in terms of trying to then settle things down without actually understanding what exactly is causing the dandruff um what exactly is causing the seborrheic dermatitis and what would you say to sort of application of things like tea tree oil to the scalp
1: um tea tree oil neat is can cause burns Mm. and when i worked in a hair um skin and hair clinic i did we did see a guy who had quite bad burns from um using tea tree oil and i won't say exactly how mm. but he just quite bad burns um from it so i always tell people to err on the side of caution because essential oils shouldn't be applied neatly to the scalp.
0: yeah um that
1: said tea tree oil does have antimicrobial antibacterial um um elements to it yeah. so it can be added to other pro- products okay. and you will find it if quite good separate dermatitis shampoos
0: mm.
1: working hand in hand with key ingredients like um, zinc prithione and, and I haven't seen it with um, oh what's it called um how can I forget this this one I mean, ketoponazole ketoponazole I've yeah. never seen it with ketoponazole but I've seen it with the other one that you mentioned um, ebony yeah yeah um, so it ca- it can work, but what I I am always cautious about saying, you know, it does it can work to help control it. Yeah. Because people are then going to go and use it neat, mm. and neat isn't safe. Any essential oil neat is not safe. Okay. okay. So um, that, that that that's that's something I'm like cautious about. Okay. Yeah, and I think this is where. It's really important to have, like, women... I, I'm not going to say women of colour, say black women because I don't subscribe to women of colour thing. Um, <laughs> black women, because of, like, our hair care practices. So when you see, like, you know, even a doctor or another psychologist, they'll tell you, if you have symptoms, you need to wash your hair frequently, every day as possible. That is ridiculous for a lot of women. Like, it's just... It's laughable. Yeah. And so when they get these shampoos, they don't understand that, you know... They're quite drying and they're going to know how to use them well. So they'll get their, like, um, an anti-dandruff and anti shampoo, whichever one they choose, and they'll apply it to, like, their scalp and their hair as well, and then be upset because their hair is dry, it's stripped of all its moisture, and they don't understand that those shampoos should just be focused on the scalp, and you can then go and use your normal moisture shampoo afterwards to replenish any lost moisture in your hair, and it's like, you have to kind of adapt things to make it suit you better, so... Then that's when I think people move to go and use them like um, tea tree oil or those other things because they're like, oh no, but I tried the shampoo and it just made my hair feel horrible.
0: Yeah.
1: So because we're not, and um, some people aren't able to wash their hair frequently as they should. They're trying to use things that will dampen down the symptoms. So if they have like a dry, flaky scalp, they're like, okay, well, let me put some like oil or moisturiser or something on it to reduce those flakes because I can't wash it just yet. Mm. But I'm thinking if anywhere else in your skin was flaking, you would go and wet it to remove that filter for anything else. Like, why don't we add the same logic to our scalp because it is essentially just skin.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, And what about hair hair scalp moisturisers? So not the ones that are um, um, heavy in petrolatum, the ones that are maybe water-based, because there are quite a few water-based ones now. Would you recommend the use of water-based?
1: You can go first, definitely. (laughs) I want to see if you say something. Okay, so um, my general consensus is you don't need anything on your scalp, but obviously there's exceptions to every rule. And so if you find that you do have a very dry scalp, I'd say if there's patches or areas on the scalp that are extremely dry then you can go ahead and put, you know, a water-based product on those particular areas. We don't need to go through, you know, covering every single section of the scalp as we would do with, like, our skin or how we used to when we used to grease it. Um, And it's kind of like a way to wean yourself off. Some people in some areas have to use, you know, more products on their scalp than others, but I find that
0: most people are able to wean themselves off having to use anything on their scalp regularly. Okay. Stephanie?
1: Oh yeah, Yeah. sorry. Um, Yes, I agree. Um, I typically, if someone has a really dry scalp, I have recommendations in clinic of water-based products or water-based things that they can do to keep their scalp like moisturized, hydrated, should I say. Okay. Um, And I I do think that they can work. They they have a place, some people do have an exceptionally dry scalp and I think that, that primarily happens in that period where they're going from a, time where they're doing all the work for their scalp and then they stop and their scalp needs to now re-regulate itself so there's a there is a period of dryness I think in that point and sometimes people need a little bit of help so
0: yeah okay and what about so obviously there's quite a few people who then find that actually it's not seborrheic dermatitis that they have they might have um a fungal scalp condition or um psoriasis (laughs) what sort of percentage of black women would you say that you've seen that have gone through that journey and actually it wasn't it wasn't sebderm it was something else
1: i've not seen that many normally um when i see that person they have separate dermatitis Mm -hmm. what is actually interesting is they don't actually know they have separate dermatitis okay they don't know they have it. Okay. They will say that my scalp is really flaky. It's itchy. It's this. It's that. And then they'll show me the products they're using, yeah. and straight away I'll say, okay, and I know what's going on. Um, I've not come across any person where they had psoriasis instead of sebderm yeah. Yet. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Say so, neither by. But what I do come across is people using those um, conditions interchangeably. Okay. Yeah. So when people be like, Oh, I have psoriasis and they'll tell me the symptoms, I'm like, That's not psoriasis, that's said them mm-hmm. and then they will be like, Oh, I've been using like the wrong products. It's a lot of um self-diagnosis or like their friends may have a similar condition and not know the correct term for it and so I think it's really important to see especially whether it's a tricologist, your doctor, or a dermatologist, someone who can give you the correct info because even the stuff online like i see about certain conditions i'm like
0: this doesn't make any sense and um just before we round up um any advice for those of us that have you know because in the black hair community we've all you know put on wigs too tight we've all had braids on too tight um traction alopecia what would you say would be the first step in terms of going forward other than stopping stopping the pain stopping taking paracetamol before you go to your braider um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's something that we all used to do. You know, you take a paracetamol before you go for your braids, and then take some more b- when you get back home. Um, and yep. then in a couple of days, you'll be fine. And then, you know, you've got banging braids, but you have no more hair. So. I think it's
1: really important to have a good relationship with your hairstylist. Yeah. And so when clients come to see me, I try to empower them to be like, if there's something you're unhappy with, please tell me. I'm not going to shower at you. I'm not going to like embarrass you or make you feel a certain way. This is, It's okay for you to tell me, you know, that's too tight or can we do it this way? I've always got enough time for you.
0: Yeah.
1: And so they're like, oh, this is the first time I've ever been able to say, oh, actually, that braid is a little bit too tight. Mm. Even though I think I'm soft-handed, it does happen where they're like, oh, no, there's a hair catching. If you had to sit there and squirm and wince and be like, Okay, I just have to take it, yeah. you need to find somebody else. Yeah. Especially if you can't say to the person, Look, you know, I'm not happy with that and think about it. Your hair can only go through trauma a limited amount of times before it gives up on you. So mm. if you think every time they pull too tight, your your um your hair follicles count in the tally being like, You've got two, three more times to play with me and mm. I'm not coming back. Wow. That's you kinda of change how you think about, you know, is this damage really worth it for like banging Instagram photos? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I I yeah, when it comes to um um tight braiding, wig glue and all of that, it really is about using it in even using it in moderation can be a problem. And it's really thinking about I, I don't I don't do tight braids. I've not done tight braids for a long time. And if my braids are tight, I mean I haven't braided my hair in a while. But if someone braids my hair tightly, I will tell them. And I will remove that braid. Mm. I'm, I'm that annoying friend that goes that braids too tight. Yeah. And they're like, my friend's like, oh, but if I take it out, there'll be a tuft of hair. Mm. And my response is, okay, so you can either have that tuft of hair now, or when you take out that braid later, you don't have it. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. And they're like, okay, fine, I'll take it out. Because it's just, you know, we shouldn't be in pain. I keep on saying this. Why are we in pain? Yeah. Other women on other races aren't in pain with their hair. Why are we in pain? And the neatness of it as well. And I think that ties back into, like, you know, the washing cycle and everything. Because it's like, if I go get my braids done, I want it to last me four weeks. And I'm not washing my hair in that time. So it needs to be tight so it can look good for those whole four weeks or however long. That's what people are saying, yeah. No, I'd rather have my braids look messy after two weeks and my hair still be thriving than be like, okay, you know... Braid braids until I'm totally damn ready to take them out, but it's taking all my hair out with it. Yeah, yeah because the braids aren't my hair. The mm. braids aren't my actual hair, so they can look okay, so they look banging, but my hair underneath is dying and screaming and yelling at me. But I'm like, yeah, cool. When I take it off, I'm going to put some new braids on. No, I, I, I think it's a really, you know, I think tight braids for a start, if your braids are too tight, then you need to take them out and have them redo them. And I think some women don't recognize anymore when their braids are too tight.
0: Mm, That's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We're used to it. We got used to it. So if it's not tight, you think she hasn't done it properly. Mm. Oh, I went to do my braids and she didn't do it well. And your friend's looking, thinking, those braids look nice. No, no, no. You see, look, they're loose. And then they shake it. And you're like, no, it's not loose. Mm. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, and can I just add the amount of hair please, please when I hear I use 10 bags of hair I just fall on the floor (laughs) I'm like 10 bags, how are you carrying 10 bags, when you came from the supermarket and you were carrying, sorry, the (laughs) hair shop and you were carrying 10 bags how did it feel
0: oh gosh, that's true I've never thought about it that way, you know
1: then you put it on your head and it makes a difference (laughs) no, it's still heavy Listen, even just the, the practices before you go into getting your braids done, the blow drying, the, the straightening, the the application of hair grease. I had one woman tell me she wanted to relax my hair before she braided it and I was like this oh. share so, mm. okay, you know, real quick. And I know people that have been like, you know, pressured into doing things that they're not comfortable with, but again, try and develop a relationship with the person that's doing your hair. Um, there are great stylists who can execute a style and make it look amazing. But some of them can also be very detrimental to your hair. And it's just thinking about which one you you prefer. Like, if you don't care about the length of your hair, the health of your hair, then by all means, enjoy those things. Like, for me, health, I mean, not health, length has never been a goal. So I will bleach my hair to thy kingdom come because I enjoy having wild colours. I don't care about my hair reaching any bra strap, you know, that kind of length. I can... Play around and have a bit more fun but if you feel like health is my goal mm. then you have to sacrifice certain practices well
0: i never thought about you know just carrying the 10 bags of hair <laughs> i've
1: had braids that when i turn my head so if i'm in bed and i turn my head the braids by the when the braids finally drop into their position it pulls my head down i thought that was the day i thought no this is wrong yeah. this is wrong my hair should not my hair should not be pulling on my head like that when I have my natural hair out, it doesn't feel like this. But I put 10 bags of hair.
0: On my head. And you
1: see some, I see some vendors who then say to you, oh, it should take about 10 to 12 bags to do this hairstyle. I'm like, for so where? Mm, How? Mm, mm. I've done the same hairstyle and I've used four.
0: Mm, mm. Is it
1: that you want to sell me more? Yeah. That's
0: or it, is it, it that the hair needs to be that big? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So true I, I really I
0: actually am because you know because I mean so many of us go around with traction alopecia and we're wondering oh but why why am I losing my hair and it's not tight but then actually it might not be tight but actually the volume and it is actually causing traction and the amount of hair exactly. that you have on is actually causing traction and um, even some of these things that we do with wigs as well and the mm-hmm. non-glue you know blast free sprays as well they do actually cause hair loss in, in some of us mm-hmm. as well um, so it's it's just actually reviewing what we're doing for the sake of beauty you know when i was little i remember they say oh no beauty is pain in beauty is pain yeah no, and, no,
1: no, no. i've
0: never and, <laughs> i rebuked it no way <laughs> and now from you know from every you know from everything you said i'm like actually i, I should actually really think about a lot of these things and um yeah. and we should really talk about it a lot more as well in you know safe open spaces where we can actually challenge the things that we've always believed um to be true that actually aren't yeah aren't i really. think
1: what i really like most about working with stephanie is that when we put on um our events together we kind of hold up a mirror to people yeah. and be like i want you to just say out loud yeah. and slowly what you do to your hair, and then think about each thing and be like does this make sense mm. like people come in and be like, "Oh, i've got this problem this problem and i'm like okay but what do you do yeah. and in front of me i've got a list of things that are damaging and they're like yeah so you know I need a new shampoo and i'm like No, you need to, like, stop doing this, that, and the other. Yeah, definitely. I mean, black women in trichology and in hair care who are really, like, um, trying to, like, read journals and find out, you know, what's really the science behind things is so important. And so, yeah, I encourage people to, like, you know, YouTubers have their place and things like that, but also take everything with a picture. So even things that we say, because we're still learning as well, so if you hear something and be like oh i'm not too sure please message me and be like oh yeah I did say that and i'll try and find you know a reasonable explanation yeah the, one of the key things i also want to um um or a couple of key things i want to um highlight is that number one everything that i say in terms of like you know weight of hair traction alopecia it's all said in love this is not a judgment because yeah. I've been there. I've done it. It's no judgment. Yeah, it's just definitely. I really want women to hear the message and men because there are men, you know, doing as you know having hair loss issues as well. So I really want them just to hear it. It's not judgment. That's one thing I'd like to caveat. And certainly at our events, um, we there is no judgment. And a lot of people have commented that that's what they like the most. That it's not judgy. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, joking, laugh yeah, about it yeah jokes you know um and the other thing I want to really highlight is seek the appropriate help yes because people seek the wrong kind of help and I know sometimes it's difficult because there are lots of people that say they're an expert in something and they're not actually Mm. and you can't help that sometimes but you'll see women going to someone I've, I've spoken to people telling me that you know Oh, I was going to come and see you, but I found this this round the back way woman who told me she can do it for twenty five pounds. So I went there. Mm. Yeah. What is the qualification of this round the way back woman?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh man, it's not. Again, I'm not judging that person's decision. It might be, you know, budget. But what I'm saying is that that person may not be best equipped to advise you on the issue and could cause further damage. So when you're looking for that person, make sure that they're experienced and they're an expert, not just in how to take care of the hair, because there are experts in that, but also what's going on inside.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You
1: know, there are people that can say, oh, this is what you need to do to grow healthy hair. But if I was never going to grow a healthy strand, all My strands are breaking off because I'm iron deficient. Yeah, how am I going to get my hair to brass trepline even if I rub the lotions and potions and do the regime that you told me to do? Yeah, yeah. You, you need to find the underlying cause.
0: Yeah, definitely, that's so important. Um, you guys, tell us a bit more about Kinky Collective. I don't think we talked about that at the beginning.
1: All uh, right, uh, so the Kinky Collective, um, really, we just wanted to, like, as we just said now, make a space for peppermint to come and learn what we feel is like the best way to look after their hair. Yeah. In like a safe environment where there's there's no judgment, it's all fun and games. We get to really explore and challenge them in a way they're kinda like, oh, this, you know, could have been painful, but it was actually like, you know, a nice experience. Um so our next event is on the eighth of March. We're doing a braiding class because a lot of black women can't braid their hair. Mm. And like that kind of feeds into the cycle of going to stylists who don't necessarily have their, I don't say their best interests at heart, but maybe don't know the best way themselves to care for their hair. Mm. And so, if you can take back the ownership of your own hair, you know, then you can have more more say over how you let it be treated because yes. you don't have to do it yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, we're hosting a braiding class. It's a really small, intimate get together. We only have like a few people coming at a time so we can really teach you, you know, from like complete novices to braiding with extensions That's great. Yeah. And we, um, you know, lunch is provided, i just like to add that. <laughs> yeah, and drink, and music, drink, that music. <laughs> and music, and we've got banter, we've got all of that. And yeah, bags, yeah, we have a really yes, good time.
0: Yeah,
1: great. but yeah, it is, it is a safe space for women to talk. And one of the key things that came out of our last braiding class um, is a lot of women saying that, <laughs> excuse me, um, we didn't know who to tell that we couldn't braid. It's like an embarrassment yeah. to be a black woman that doesn't know how to braid.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, coming here has been really good because there's no judgement, you know, we're all laughing, we're all learning together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so, that was really important and the, the take-home message for that is that to make sure that we keep on offering this because women need, women want to know how to brave, yeah. and men are welcome too. <laughs> yeah, we want that. Like it's open for everyone, but like I feel like our heart is especially for black women because we really want them. Like I, I speak for myself, and I'm sure Stephanie like agrees. But it's like I see so much misinformation, and I see black women being taken for a ride, mm. and it's just yeah. like I don't like being exploited so I'm like what can I do to make sure that at least with their hair they are like you know able to make really good informed choices yeah
0: yeah definitely definitely and just before we leave we normally ask you to give us a championship point so something that the listeners can hold on to for the rest of the week before the next episode and something that they can also share with people that is bite-sized um so whichever one of you wants to go first with a championship point
1: my point is your hair okay. is going to grow regardless of what you do it's growing oh. it's growing so like you know yeah just know like that it's growing because a lot of people are like oh my hair's not growing I'm like babes if you ever had a relaxer every six weeks you had to go get a retouch because why? hair was growing mm. so mm-hmm. mm. Mm. mine would be keep it simple don't get bogged down with everything don't get bogged down watching YouTube videos, 10 billion YouTube videos and saying oh my god I need to pre-poo after poo, co-wash shampoo, deep condition protein and then I need to sit under a dryer for 3 days no Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. You just need to do the you know, wash, condition, um, moisturize style. Go. That's it.
0: Yeah, that is yeah.
1: Oh, great. another one, come to our braiding class.
0: Yes, yes, so come to the I braiding class. DM you know I me mean about some promotion whack. Uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, come on. yeah, yeah. Everyone, come to the braiding class. I'll I'll link the um deets beneath on the um on the podcast notes. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Do share this podcast with two people who have not heard about us before. Remember that this podcast in no way replaces advice from your own doctor or physician. Do subscribe and follow us on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes so that others can access the amazing content. And do join the club at a sliceofhealth.club and drop us some suggestions or questions that you might have. Don't forget to be a health champion wherever you go by separating health fact from health fiction.